the werewolf is neither man nor wolf, but a satanic creature with the worst qualities of both. It's Werewolf of London. Mafia, wake up, wake up. You have created a monster and it will destroy you. that eric i actually almost went with that as my favorite line <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i like this is kind of a perfect intro so uh it, it worked really well i thought uh dr yogami's line about the werewolf so i thought that was, I thought that was a nice little introduction do you think so dr hmm. yogami right yes how, how do we how do we feel about him? Do do we feel like he's <laughs> Universal's Doctor Sirizawa? <laughs> no, no, that was uh, no, that was uh, you was, your uh boy, Mister Frankenstein, <laughs> Mister no, Frankenstein, no. like he's <laughs> your neighbor. No, <laughs> Mister Frankenstein. Welcome back to the Monsters vs. Men podcast. This is the bargain basement of Monster Podcasting Airwaves. This week as we try to stay alive, we're discussing Werewolf of London. With me today, I've got the piece of veil caught in my mouth, Alex himself. What? (laughs) And I'm joined by the moon-loving Eric. Mm. (laughs) Because he loves moons. I'll take that. I'll take that. Oh, man. Now, Alex, I, I think there's some interesting things with these characters. I was wondering if Dr. Yogami was supposed to be foreign, and I wasn't sure. Um, uh, I think he, I, I, that, yeah, definitely, right? Because of how he already knows, like, because he approaches him, uh, he approaches mm-hmm. Mr. Werewolf, and he says to him, he's, he's like, he knows everything that's happened already, implying that. He's already he's he was there when everything happened, mm. implying yeah. in my eyes. I, I I thought I figured this was the case, but now I'm kind of doubting myself. I assumed that he was the werewolf that attacked him. Yes, no, that's true. That's hundred percent. So he true. was there, right? It is. Okay, yeah, I, yeah. I, I was like, I, I thought that's what I picked up from the movie, and then now I'm like, if very no, just Doctor Yogami. It almost sounds like a Japanese name. Right. Oh, I mean, definitely. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, so I'm like, this guy is not Japanese, but he's got the a very Japanese sounding name. So (laughs) yeah, well, and you have to remember though, other people have been looking for this thing, and other people have been lost forever, right, or whatever. Mm -hmm. So maybe he was one of the people that went missing. Mm. Potentially. Potentially, there, I think. There, there, did you hear that werewolf whining in the background? I heard. I heard that the, poor oh, werewolf man. over there just <laughs> call, calling to the moonlight, hoping Ooh. to murder somebody before yeah. it's too late. Oh man! Well, Alex, uh, you said you were going to go see some movies this weekend, or potentially see some movies this weekend. What are you going to go see? Yeah, yeah. So the, the the choices are licorice pizza or Bell, both of which I've mm. never seen a trailer for. I actually haven't even looked at the reviews for either of them. So it's like a totally blind experience, which is always my favorite way to go into movies. Nice. Um, well, so I'm excited to see what uh, happens. Paul Thomas Anderson directs Licorice Pizza. 
The only thing I know about Bell is that a friend of mine did a review of it and didn't like it, uh, like a YouTube review. Oh, really? Uh, I, yeah, yeah. He was actually my student teacher a couple of years ago. Um, yeah, I should. Yeah, I'll send you the video. No, I won't send it to you yet, but uh, I'll send it to you if you go see it. Okay. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's probably interesting for sure. It, yeah, so- it seems like some. Some people are going to go see it. <laughs> Someone offhand, offhandedly remarked on it on a podcast I listened to, and uh, he just kind of commented like, "Oh yeah, it was all right," but that, that was yeah. like you know the extent that he said like, he didn't like love it or hate it. I think, but he was glad he went. Um, yeah. Uh, but that that's the extent that I've heard about that one. Licorice Pizza. I only know one person that saw it. It wasn't their type of movie. I could have told them that without even seeing anything, <laughs> uh, and they hated it. But. They didn't, they didn't was it your neighbor again <laughs> mr frankenstein um no, no no oh oh because of the the yeah. matrix Resur- resurrections no it was not him okay <laughs> so, but yeah so i i don't i don't know what i'm gonna do um but eric i had a, I had a question for you sure i just came i just thought of it all right if you had to, if you had to have a, a finger lost to a werewolf, right? Mm-hmm. What finger would you pick, and why? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> these, these are the real important questions that you're asking, Alex. Um, to me, the most important question is, or the most important answer, and the only answer to that question is my left pinky finger. Your left pinky finger. I mean, that yes. makes sense, but. Eric, also, why would you pick the left pinky finger? Because, so I've been thinking about it, right? Which uh-huh. fingers do we have the most control of over? Like, pinky finger, I feel like it's pretty, like, useful in a lot of ways. But I was wondering, like, how much do we really use this ring finger? <laughs> right? It's the one I can control the least, I feel like. I balance a lot of things with my pinky. I feel like it's like the the right position to have something. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> this is what happens when I'm in charge. This is what happens <laughs> of when you're in charge of selecting the question because we didn't think ahead of time. <laughs> <laughs> I say, Alex, Alex, make sure you have a good question, Alex. <laughs> if you had to lose a finger, what finger would you lose? <laughs> <laughs> this is a conversation me and Cece had in, in great detail a couple of weeks ago in the car while we were going to go. <laughs> so I was thinking a ring finger I mean it doesn't feel like it does much like yeah weight wise maybe but I feel like the pinky is for balancing and so mm. your left hand Eric if you get rid of the pinky on the left hand your left hand just became even more useless because you're right handed right Yeah. so you just like really hurt yourself so you're telling me you get rid of your ring finger on your right hand? Yeah. That way I've got strength in both hands still. Right? <laughs> now, I've just made my right hand on par with my left hand. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I like your practical approach here. <laughs> I don't know if weakening your right hand is the answer to this question. but <laughs> And Eric, guess what? Huh. It doesn't affect writing at all. That's... Just like the pinky, but yeah, but, yeah that's probably true. You know, and at least I've got the pinky to rest. you're typing a little bit, I would say. Yeah, but I'm I'm like so uh, a little fun fact, Eric. I'm like pseudo QWERTY, um, like in terms of my my hand position, the ASDF 
ASDFG mm-hmm. or whatever it is. And then my right hand is more of a peck. So it's like a it's a half and half style. I find that it's do most really? efficient. Hmm. And I really do. <laughs> so it's like it, it and so I think it's because I, I use like the, the keys on the right hand side a lot. And so hmm. I've got I'm I'm like this cool amalgamation. Some would say like, you know, I'm half of a Sounds good keyboard cool, person and half <laughs> half of a awful keyboard person and i'm like this like satanic mixture of both of them (laughs) yeah it's a little weird uh speaking of satanic alex should we jump into this film's introduction oh my god this is one of the worst intros oh yeah let's do it (laughs) we learned a lot about you though alex so i'm okay with it we did (laughs) All right. Although not as popular as its later iteration, The Wolfman, Werewolf of London established Universal's version of the werewolf. My question, though, Alex, do you think there is a reason this film is often overlooked or is this film essentially undercooked? So I guess the best way to put this is Gordon Ramsay and Guy Fieri would not serve this to their customers. (laughs) Hmm. So definitely undercooked. <laughs> a little rare. <laughs> Werewolf in London like ends ends the impressive hot streak uh, with what we've had with all the previous films in the Universal monster film so far. I mm-hmm. uh, definitely missed several marks. I I like the opening actually quite a bit. You know, it had this mystery. We're in a different location that we're u- than we're used to. Uh, there's this awesome werewolf attack in this uh, weird field, mountainous region, mm-hmm. and it's just very it's it, it's very cool. It's got this really great start, a start, and then well, we go to London, and it's just never <laughs> quite as interesting or the uh-huh. same uh, from that point on. It's just missing the mark at most of the turns in the film. I, I did like the arrival of the original werewolf in London in pursuit of the flower, right? I like Dr. Yogami showing up um, and his stealing of the flower and how, you know, that, that storyline shook out in general. I also liked how the ending played out, you know, I'm glad they they killed Glendon and all that. Like, you know, there's no half measure here, Mm -hmm. but overall I was pretty disappointed with this one. Uh, how about you? What are you feeling like? Yeah, well, Alex, I have yet to see The Wolfman. I'm looking forward to it. I definitely hope this film is overlooked in favor of a far superior film in The Wolfman. Because if I'm being honest, yeah, this film didn't do much for me. It wasn't especially fun or scary or interesting. Well, actually, that's not entirely true. I, I think one particular element is really interesting, which I'll talk about here in a bit. First, though, I do think the writing is pretty fun and it's clever at parts with little werewolf puns and funnies, especially in that first half of the film. Um, I, I'm with you with the opening. I think like the, the opening moments are some of the best, but those clever little werewolf jokes don't work as well as they could because of the delivery of the lines and the performances. One of the things that stood out to me was just the performances in this one. They felt particularly stiff. It was interesting because a lot of the line readings 
fell prey to the same line deliveries, no matter who the character, which makes me think it was the director, Stuart Walker's direction. Uh, I don't know if you noticed it, Alex, and I know I'm being small and petty, but it just happened over and over again where the last word of a phrase came up, they would pause, and then they would say the word. But it didn't add dramatic emphasis. It was like, and where should I get this, Posey? <laughs> right? Like just a small little pause. I was like, why Why do they keep doing that? Um, it's like someone told them to do it, but they didn't do it with any sort of emphasis. So I was like, like what's going on here? And that was pretty much consistent for all the secondary characters. Very strange. It's almost like they're trying to deliver these uh, puns, but there's actually no pun there, right? Yeah, that's kind of <laughs> what it was like. It was, it was interesting. It, I, I didn't quite get it. Yeah, I didn't really even notice this, but I could definitely see this being one of those things that once you notice it, it grates on you the more and more oh, yeah. it happens. Yeah. <laughs> so I thought I, I was could... imagining it, and I was like, I, am I just – but then it just kept on happening. So I'm like, huh. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I could definitely see this being a minus in terms of – again, you mm-hmm. notice it, and it just grates each time you see it. It's kind of like back in our Toho series, I would know Gabra's Roar. Every time yeah. I, I – know, once I noticed <laughs> I know, how noticed annoying that. it was – I did it, yeah. And I noticed how much it happened. It just destroyed everything <laughs> around uh-huh. it for me. Um, but, you know, you, you mentioned, you know, a lot, especially the secondary characters really delivering their lines in this way. Um, I did want to talk about them, though. I mm. think they're actually pretty well done. Um, mm. Lisa Glendon, in particular, seems like a pretty righteous and interesting character who is, you know, kind of at this impasse in her life. Where she has to pick between someone she is married to mm-hmm. and who is ignoring her. And to be fair, he will most likely be done with the grind soon. And it is very clear that he cares about her. Mm-hmm. Um, but is that his attention is diverted. And it's been diverted for, I don't know, he went on this trip. And then he's been working in this place for a month. So it's been a while, right? Um, but yeah. it does have a finite end. And then this man, this old childhood friend who swoops in and he seems perfect. But I think that she sees both of them for what they are. You know, she doesn't fall for the grass is always greener. I actually do think she makes the right right choice, mm-hmm. despite this temptation. You know, she does flirt a bit, a little bit with him, but mm-hmm. she stays loyal uh, and to the man that she married. Now, she makes several attempts, actually, to not be alone with Ames. Um, mm. she really wants her cousin to be present because she just, she, she's not into him like that, but yeah. Wilfred just keeps dropping the ball. Now, whether it's becoming a werewolf or he just wants to go stare at flowers <laughs> in the dark, he kind of makes the wrong choices, except for the werewolf, you know, maybe a good thing not to kill her, but he really yeah. does care for her. And you see that a lot in how he behaves when the werewolf turns its head, right? He starts trying to get further away. He is all he thinks about is the danger he could put her in, yeah. but it's just too late by the time the curse begins to take him. Yes. Well, I, I'm, I'm with you with Lisa. I'm not completely against Lisa, but I have another bone to pick Alex. And I don't know if it was just me trying to make something interesting out of this film. Could be. But in, in, in my <laughs> reading, I don't view Dr. Glendon, you know, our, our friendly neighborhood, Werewolf of London, I don't view Dr. Glendon as the villain. Well, he may be a wolf-like predator. At least he's not the wife predator 
Ooh. The real villain of this film, Alex, is none other than the childhood friend of Lisa, the home wrecker of London, Paul Ames, played by Lester Matthews. This guy, I mean, this guy, <laughs> the guts on this guy. <laughs> he's, yeah, not he's only, not good. yeah, not only does he profess his love for a married woman after she's already rejected him, he has the gall to openly flirt with Lisa in front of her husband. Yes. Yeah. I actually think Lisa is partially to blame. She's off doing her own things with Ames and acting like there's absolutely nothing there. But she no doubt understands that Ames still loves her and still wants to be with her. That's right. That's true. The film tries to paint Dr. Glendon as this controlling husband. But honestly, who can blame him? He should indeed be doubting his wife and Ames' intentions, which is confirmed when Ames does profess his love. Mm-hmm. And let's not forget either, Alex, that Ames is the one who accuses Glendon before he really has evidence. Sure, it does happen to turn out that Glendon is the werewolf, but <laughs> man, was Ames just trying to get rid of him a little too quickly? Oh, yeah. And then the ending, Alex, the gall. I mean, the gall on this man, Ames. After Glendon is shot, and he takes his final breaths. What does he have to look at as his breath departs his body? <laughs> Ames, clutching onto his wife, ready to swoop in and get his after Glendon's death, Alex. <laughs> he is the true villain of this film. <laughs> <laughs> that is something really to think about. I didn't really think about <laughs> That being the last thing that he saw. Literally, the last thing that he sees is Ames clutching his wife. Uh, (laughs) Wow. That's a way to go, man. Uh Uh, Another thing I like other than the true villain, Ames, um, is that I like that as a werewolf, he actively does go out and kill people. You know, we, we hear about how gruesome it is. Um, obviously, we're not going to show that in this in this movie, but I like how gruesome it is. I like that he goes out there and he does it. And there's not, you know, we don't get these corners cut or anything like that. And he does what he does, what he needs to do to survive and quit from becoming a permanent monster. But it does torture him in you know a lot of ways, especially when he has to like go and lock himself away and just like no one could do their job, like leave him alone, <laughs> like like. It, Fate will not just leave him alone. You know, the idea of killing his wife, especially, really puts him in the status. Now, it does say a lot about his feelings about her when he tries to get away. But like I said, fate won't let him get away. She still shows up at the place he goes, this dungeon he goes and throws himself into. And there she is outside, like, la-di-da. Like, (laughs) he just can't win. (laughs) I think that part's great. And again, like, no, it comes down for this film... I think because I like a lot of the aspects of it, but mm-hmm. it it comes back to something we keep talking about a lot lately. I feel like yep. that's pacing mm-hmm. at what the film does with its runtime. This isn't a long mm-hmm. movie, but it feels like a lot of the movie is kind of ineffective in its overall execution, honestly. And that's not like, you know, that's not the werewolf makeup. It's awesome. The effects are great, but things yeah. just take too long. Um, the, the struggle while present, I felt like it needed to be pushed even more. I felt yeah. like it needed to be even more dramatic. I needed mm-hmm. some real investment in this. And I, I just didn't quite feel it. And it wasn't because of the performance. I just think it needed some more meat there. Yeah. Um, you know, the fight of the inner werewolf, 
would have been cool, but maybe that leans a little too much into Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde territory for uh, mm-hmm. Universal's taste. And I also don't know how much more time I could have spent looking at flowers in this movie. Uh, not, not a particular highlight for me. But even if the effects of like a flytrap, Venus flytrap is cool, I guess. <laughs> yeah. No, <laughs> look, I, I'm okay with the plants. And I also have no gripes about anyone complaining about this film's pacing. One challenge I'm trying to give myself, Alex, because we have we have been talking about pacing, is I want to be very specific about why I have, if I have a complaint about pacing, I'm trying to be self-aware when I'm watching a film to be like, all right, this is my issue that I'm having. This is the pacing issue right now. So for me this time, what specifically didn't set right with pacing? For me, there's two things. One, I don't think we get enough monster. There's a 30-minute gap between the first time we get a glimpse of the monster and the Tibetan opening, and the next time the monster appears as Dr. Glendon. That's a big gap for a 75-minute film. And it's also not that um, we just don't get enough monster. We've had other Universal films so far that probably had just the same amount of monster. It's the spaces between where we get the monster. right? They're spread out really far. And then when they happen, we just get a glimpse and then we're right right back. Um, So I feel like we needed more monster. We needed more stakes. I like your point about the inner werewolf. I think that would have been a good addition. And the second thing, the film just includes some scenes that simply don't move the narrative forward. And that's not always a bad thing. Um, But in this case, I don't think it's a good thing. A good example of this are the scenes between the elderly women who try to sell Glenn in a room. The humor of those scenes to me, feel very feels very out of place. Uh, and let's just talk about Savage for a second. This woman, Mrs. Moncaster, absolutely knocks cold Mrs. Whack, right? Now, I'm not against a bit of humor in the film, oh, as I yeah. said. That right? was she just knocks so her out. unusual. It's so weird. I'm not against a bit of humor in this film, as I said. I found some of the dialogue pretty clever at the beginning. But I think if you're going to do some slapstick, you need to establish that at the beginning of the film. And we didn't see that. You can contrast that with The Invisible Man, which also uses slapstick, slapstick, but I believe uses it better because it does establish that within the opening 20 minutes. Yes, in Invisible Man, we do have a dark and brooding opening, and but we do get those slapstick elements within those first 20 minutes, not introducing it two-thirds of the way into the film. It just feels very out of place, and I didn't find it especially humorous because of that. Yeah, I, I'm I'm with you. Uh, it, it it was so strange to see that. It, it was kind of some of the weaker moments of the Invisible Man mm. uh, feeling sometimes, where the the slapstick would just appear and then disappear, uh, mm-hmm. completely unearned, and it, it gave me some of those vibes. Except for even more unusual. Yeah. In this it's film. hard to balance. It's hard to balance. I I really actually enjoy slapstick, uh, but it is hard to balance when you are doing kind of horror with slapstick. Um, I think the invisible man, I'm much more of a fan of what's done there than what we see here, but I understand other people not liking it either. So, uh, no, I get that hundred percent. Yeah, for sure. Uh, well, Alex today on MVM plus we have finally our matrix versus men matrix resurrections review. Over on patreon.com forward slash Pod, you can hear that review and all of our previous reviews. Last week, we reviewed the entire trilogy as a whole. Um, spoiler alert for Matrix Resurrections, Alex. We liked it. Yeah. We liked it. Yeah. 
yeah. it's safe to say that that we liked it. Um, but we'll tell you why we liked it. We, we'll give out some awards. Um, we'll talk about some of the unexpected uh, twists that we didn't see coming, um, how it fits into the Matrix universe, and ultimately our final thoughts on the series as a whole. Again, that's over on patreon.com forward slash Pod. Uh, but today, a rotating segment, Alex. Let's get cultured with Koetoshi. Let's do it. Let's learn. Minasan, konnichiwa. Koeto is shoni manaboni yokoso. Minano daisuki na kaiju ega no nakade. Imama de kigatsukanokata nihon no bunko ya rekishinitsuite. Mananjaimasho. Zetai tanoshiyo. Eric to Alex ga iroiro shete kreriyo. All right, so in response to our last episode, Alex, Werewolf of, uh, not Werewolf of London, Bride of Frankenstein, uh, Kyoitoshi sent a message in saying, hi, Eric, I compared you to Dr. P, as you remember, Alex, uh, we were wondering why. Uh, I compared you to Dr. P for many re- of the reasons you brought up on the Bride of Frankenstein episode. He has a unique way of looking at things. He is well-educated, insightful, and smart, takes joy in what he does, and sees humor in the macabre. It's a compliment. I like the character. As to Alex being Count Floyd, that is pretty self-explanatory. Wow. I know. I know. (laughs) Man, thank you, Kyoe, for redeeming redeeming me. I appreciate it. Uh, but, But she continues. Did you know that Elsa L. wasn't the only character with the dual role? Una O'Connor, Alex's favorite, did as well. <laughs> She's the maid with the dog scene in the opening scene with Mary Shelley and Lord hmm. Byron. Alex will no doubt rewatch the scene. I'm I sure will. he will. I will. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoy how the title Bride of Frankenstein can refer to both the monster or doctor yes. or both. That is something I thought about. I, I really liked. Originally, they had planned for Elizabeth to be murdered and use her heart uh, for the bride. This helps explain, by movie logic standards, why she's attracted to Henry and rejects the monster. And originally, Uh. everyone dies. You can see in the movie a relic of that ending. After the monster tells Henry and Elizabeth to leave, and they do, he pulls the Duke's ex machina lever, and the tower starts to collapse. In an ensuing scene on the left, you can see Henry unconscious and stuck in there with everyone else. But it seems the ending didn't play with preview audiences and was changed but they weren't about to reshoot an expensive FX scene. Wow. Very yep. cool. I had no idea. Yeah. I need to check. I need to, I'm going to rewatch that scene as well. So yeah. The Una that. O'Connor scene. Yeah. No, me too. I mean, me too. I will briefly, <laughs> maybe on like one and a half speed. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Alex, it's time to move into our awards. Let's start with the compelling character award. I got to give it to Lisa Glendon. I think her character is really interesting. I actually think she's got more depth than just about everybody else in here. Mm-hmm. Um, and her struggle was, I wouldn't even, yeah, I mean, it is a struggle with the Ames, um, Dr. Glendon romance, I guess, uh, you know, between loyalty and a quick fling. I just find, I, I just found that whole dynamic interesting. And I actually found it even more interesting that she just did not want to be alone with Ames really. But mm-hmm. then you know, there's that obligation. You got a visiting guest. You got all that. It's like mm-hmm. you, can, mm-hmm. you might you need to, you need to take them out on the town. But I don't know if going to a abandoned little castle area is a good idea um, for a long time. But go riding, you know, go riding with them every night of the week, Alex. It sounds a little much. 
I don't know. I don't know what they used to do for fun back then. They didn't have TV, you know. <laughs> oh, <laughs> they, they didn't. They, they couldn't Netflix and chill. <laughs> uh, well, my most compelling character is, uh, you know already, Alex, it's Paul Ames himself. Yeah. The other thing about Paul Ames, and I just still can't quite get over it, um, is the fact that he's so nonchalant about his home wreckery, right? He um, he, he seems he so unassuming. He's he's he acts as if there is not a uh, care in the world, as if he's like the most stoic um, <laughs> character in the film, and that makes him even more compelling. But in a in a strange sort of way, I'm I'm more appalled. Um, but that makes me compelled. Wow, Eric! I can't believe you picked a homewrecker as your most compelling character. Interesting. Mm. Yeah. Uh, we won't let our listeners read into that too much. <laughs> <laughs> what about your most memorable line award? Well, they weren't going to read into it, and now they're going to read things into it that oh, don't mean anything. Maybe. <laughs> uh, my most memorable line award was at the end of the film, and it was Doctor Glendon. After he's been shot, he says, thanks for the bullet. Um, now, yeah, I mean, I most like audiences one. would probably think that means thanks for the bullet because, you know, he's he's rid of himself of the curse. I think it's thanks for the bullet because at least he doesn't have to deal with this guy, Paul Ames, and his cheating wife. But what can I say? <laughs> what about you, Alex? <laughs> that scene's going to haunt me now. It's like Thanks so for like, the bullet. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good. He but looks I, over at Ames and Ames has his arms all over Lisa. Thanks for the bullet. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's all you got for me. <laughs> Maybe he comes back and kills Ames in the next movie. That would be great. That would be great. That'd be like an awesome revenge movie. Um so my my uh most memorable line is the priest. He says, You are foolish. But without fools, there would be no wisdom. Oh, well, yeah. I like learning from other people's mistakes. <laughs> oh. uh, all right. Yeah. Can't believe the acting award, Alex. Um, I got to give it to my girl, Zephy Tilbury. Oh, no, no. Sorry, okay. sorry, sorry. Wrong person. Wrong person. Really, your girl, Alex. I know, I know. I, I almost went off on the wrong. Look, the Una wrong. O'Connor is not in this film, Alex. You can't give She's it to not, your girl. Okay? Sorry, Charlotte Granville Ooh. as um, Lady Forsyth. Okay. She really portrays this aloofness while viewing flowers very well. Um, I really enjoyed it. Actually, actually, I did like the like you know the goofiness of this character. So. Mm-hmm. I would give her. I did like the goofiness of her. I did. <laughs> like just always aghast and yeah. everything. Yeah. <laughs> I, I really just liked her performance, honestly. Uh-huh. <laughs> Mine, you mentioned this character. I do think Valerie Hobson gives a great performance as Lisa here. Um, she just has an on-screen presence. She does really well. Uh, she seemed a lot more comfortable in this film than she did in Bride of Frankenstein last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, where I was, it really wasn't her performance last week that had me questioning things, but there were a couple moments with her that I was like, ah, this scene might not be the most necessary in this film. But uh, I felt she was even better here. 
um, as Lisa for sure. Mm-hmm. Even if she did go along with things just a little too easily for me. Yeah. I mean, I think last week was more the writing and like uh-huh. you said, the, necessar- the, the necessity of the scene and maybe even the consistency with the pr- previous movie, but yeah. she kills it here for sure. Yeah, she really does. Yeah. She's great. Um, what about great your dad? Oh, that's a good shot award. Uh, it's when Glendon is sneaking, like the first time he's become a werewolf and he sneaks into the bedroom. Well, we see his hands kind of climb the fence. And it's this point of view shot where um, it's sneaking into the bedroom and you see the shadow on the wall. Yeah, the shadow doesn't quite make sense, but <laughs> I like the imagination of the point of view shot. Um, and it was probably the creepiest m- moment of the film. Uh, so it had to be that shot. What about you? Yeah. Yeah, mine, mine was like a mishmash, right? I actually didn't think there was a lot of great imagery in this one, unlike a lot mm-hmm. of our other films. Uh, it was one, one of the one of the plant shots for you, I bet. Oh, yeah, the Venus flytrap closing. No, uh, mine was actually kind of an effect shot. Uh, the But the, um, the shot of Glendon's hand when it's transforming that first time uh, in the in the artificial moonlight, I really, mm-hmm. I just, I, I thought it was cool, and it kind of illustrated cool. like this weird, probably at the time, body horror um, mm-hmm. of the situation. I just really like that. But uh, again, this one was just kind of short on good shots compared to what we've seen lately. My hands are growing hairy. <laughs> body horror. <laughs> yeah, there we go. There we go. He, he should have screamed. Fear, the fear of hairy hands. Owen, would, there's a term for that. Surely, the fear of hairy hands. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right into us. Let us know what the fear of hairy hands. Are. Uh, all right, Alex. Our unique awards. Do you have a unique award? I I do. I'm trying to look up hairy hands fear <laughs> name. <laughs> I don't but, know. Uh, Someone's gonna have to make it up. Someone yeah, have probably. to make it up and write it in. <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. You're probably right. For some reason, I searched it and. <laughs> Harry hands fear. That's what I typed in. It's a whole bunch of Prince Harry things. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So back to my uh, my unique award. I'm going to give this award to Doctor Yagami. The award mm. is for least lethal werewolf and very worst botanist. This man. <laughs> Was a werewolf right beside the flower that Dr. <laughs> Glendon finds. Yeah. Not only does he attack Dr. Glendon and fail to kill him for whatever reason while he's by himself, there's no one else around to help him out. Not only does he not kill him for whatever reason, but he also is standing right by the cure that he knows about. And then he lets him get the plant. He goes to London. Just to give himself a little bit of that? <laughs> mm-hmm. What? Okay. All right. Uh, no, I know. I know. I was a little confused by his uh, character as well. But my award, Alex, is goes to the worst name for someone who should definitely never fight award. Mm. And that goes to Mrs. Whack. Um, oh, yeah. She just obviously should never get into the ring again. You would think sh- with a name like that, she might be a fighter, but no, Alex. You definitely oh. need to stay out of the ring. Yeah, Mrs. she got whack. She got whooped. She got whooped. <laughs> How unfortunate! 
And that brings us to our final thoughts in our tiered rating, Ooh. Alex. I'll, I'll give it to to you quick because I think I've summed up my thoughts here. I think the pacing issues that we have in this film are due to lack of monster, um, sustained lack of monster, tonal issues, uh, especially about two thirds into the film. And just, I don't know, overall, I was pretty bored throughout most of this movie because I was yeah. either scratching my head or I was finding different things to be interested in, like Paul Ames, <laughs> <laughs> which I did enjoy. I mean, like looking back on it, I enjoyed that take on it. I enjoy reading into it's it the more Audrey than I should. Tier. It's, the, it's um, the Audrey vision of the 98 Godzilla movie. Yeah, there it's you like go. Audrey's exactly. the villain. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so this is not a Godzilla tier. Oh, it's it's. I don't think it's a Gabra tier. I I don't know if it's that, if it's then that level, but it's definitely a low Gamera tier film for me. Yeah, I, I mean you've pretty much said it from from the pacing to the just the werewolf presence is like not enough. The acting is pretty is pretty good. Uh, I don't have a problem with that. And the overall story, I like the idea of it. But things just kind of play out in a pretty unsatisfactory way, especially and then the weird bits of comedy thrown in there as well. Just They just don't work. So I'm right there with you, Eric. I'm going to put this at a mm. low gamma tier. It almost makes me wonder if we should have another tier because it's just <laughs> not a gamma, but it is a gamma. Low, no, no tier. more tiers because then if we have so one more is, tier, know, then we're at a four like a star system. Basically, I know, I know you're right, you're right. So maybe <laughs> this is like a camera on not flying camera. This is walking camera. <laughs> this is walking camera. This is this is definitely not camera trilogy because camera trilogy is like above Godzilla in some cases. <laughs> okay, whoa, 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 whoa. Okay, all right, let's, let's calm down uh, over there. <laughs> uh, all right, Alex. Next week, Dracula's daughter is our film. Um, do you have a rhyme? Yeah, actually, I do. I think. Okay, um, go for it. Yeah, the next movie is Dracula's daughter. Will this series continue to falter, or will this monster get stronger? I had it in wow. my head. And Alex, I you never the, cease to amaze me. I lost the back end of it when I started saying my rhyme. Yeah, I, I had All right. Yeah. Um, next week, we watch Dracula's Daughter. Will it give us uh, content for discussion fodder? Or will it be another film like this one that we slaughter? Oh, I like it. I like it, Eric. That one was made up on the spot. Alex should wow. be proud of me. That was better than most of your prepared ones. <laughs> um, New strategy. New strategy. Take the <laughs> strategy. Alex approach. Yeah. Yeah. I should have gone stronger as the series goes longer. That's why I should have mm. gone. But it's there too late. It's too late. Too it's late, right. Alex. You this can't, is still in the podcast. You can't change so. your rhyme now. Yeah. That's right. I totally didn't change it, but I'm leaving this here. So it's up to the listener to decide what they actually heard. <laughs> As always, thank you for listening to Monsters vs. Men. We want to hear from you. Email us at nvmpod at gmail.com or go to nvmpod.com to leave us your feedback on the show. Let us know if you agree on my take 
of Paul Ames, or are we just being a little too harsh? Are we being too harsh on this movie as a whole? Let us know. Send us your thoughts and we'll read them on the show. You can also follow us and message us on Twitter and Instagram at MVM underscore pod. You can become a bargain base mite at patreon.com forward slash MVM pod and receive weekly bonus content, including special reviews, interviews, and host chats. And if you can't help monetarily at this time, a review on your favorite podcasting platform always helps. Monsters vs. Men is produced by Alex Cornett. Executive producers are Faye Basier and Michael Herndon. Special thanks to our wives, comma, Rock Band for PlayStation 3, which forms Cell Block B, Senior Honda, and Drew the Collector, our Instagram connector, and you, the listener, for listening. Until next time, don't chew on your friend's arm in a field. <laughs> and try, try to, to stay, stay alive. alive. <laughs> oh, man. No, Alex. I, I completely <laughs> forgot that we were going to have to do that part at the end. Mafia, wake up, wake up. You have created a monster and it will destroy you. Uh, <laughs> you know, I was thinking about uh, another potential spinoff film the, that we're going to create someday. And the opening scene is the final scene of this movie. And it's it's just uh, it, <laughs> Ames clutching on to Lisa. And you see uh, Glendon there. And then it, the, the camera zooms in on the clutching. So it's like this point of view shot from Glendon. Right. And so we kind of zoom in on that clutching. And then all of a sudden, that's the start <laughs> of our revenge oh, sequel. Right. I love it. I love it. And, and what <laughs> that, if, what if Ames is actually the head of a mafia so that the Wolfman has to fight through the mm, mafia to get to him? That, that would be <laughs> quite the twist. Maybe Dr. Yogami can come back this time, played by a Japanese actor. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and actually have a point like he could actually you know do something productive in this one um because <laughs> it turns out he just wants to help himself <laughs> <laughs> i like it i like it